You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 130. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So just a quick reminder about our early birth submission of the International Home Staging Awards. It is ending pretty soon. So if you're interested in entering, don't forget to go to homestagingawards.com to submit. We're also going to link this in our show notes as well. And if you go to our website, stagemore.com, you'll also see the links there too. You can also get two free entries when you register for this July StagerCon, our four-day free online conference for home stagers. And you can go to stagercon.com to register now. It's spelled S-T-A-G-E-R-C-O-N. And you'll get an immediate email giving you the coupon code to check out for the International Home Staging Awards entries. So we're actually in the process of finalizing all our speakers for StagerCon this July. And as we get a little bit closer in the dates, probably sometime next month, we're going to start unveiling all the details and agenda for this July StagerCon. In general, we get a lot of questions about liability insurance. So I thought it would be great to invite an insurance broker who also understands the home staging industry on the show to go through the frequently asked questions when it comes to different types of insurance in our home staging businesses. So today I have Tamila Bowie on the show. Her company, Bowie Insurance, her, their business model is really based on providing sound fiduciary advice regarding insurance and different financial products. Their ideal clients consist of individuals, families, entrepreneurs, professionals, and also small business owners. Bowie Insurance believes in educating clients about insurance products with simplicity and full transparency. Tamila's team is composed of highly credentialed professionals with over 20 plus years of insurance knowledge, experience, and expertise. So after the show, Tamila and I got to chat a little bit more, and here are some clarifications in case we weren't very clear in the show, and also some additional tips for you. So on the show, we talk about general liability insurance, and based on Tamila's recommendation, that general liability actually doesn't cover negligence or failure to render services. So an example of that would be the seller feel like you didn't perform or you didn't have the right experience, you didn't know X, Y, or Z. So they call this the failure of render professional services. Another example of that would be you didn't stage a house properly. So that can be something the seller or the real estate agent claim on the suit. But E&O insurance does cover these things. So E&O stands for error and omissions. So you should also get E&O insurance in addition to general liability insurance. So this is Tamila's professional opinion and advice, and she's based in Texas. So if you're in the other area, this is a really good idea for you to chat with your small business insurance broker. Your local insurance agent will be able to give you the best sound advice about what type of insurance you need to protect your home staging business. And when Tamila is pulling insurance companies, she actually looks at their rating as well. So usually nothing less than a B plus is something that she would use. So I think those are some really sound advice and also hope to clarify some of the confusion you may have when you start listening to the episode. All right, so let's get started. So today we have Tamila on the show on the Home Staging Podcast. It's so nice to have you. And I think it's really exciting because you have both interior design background, but also insurance as well. So can you tell us a little bit about your business and how did you get started in insurance and interior design? 
Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much, Cindy, for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited to be able to share some information. So I started both these careers in 1999. I was working in corporate America and it was somewhat enjoyable, but after a while, you know, you start wanting to go into what your passions are and you just want to become an entrepreneur, become self-employed. And so I started off with the insurance business first and I obtained both my licenses. I have my property and casualty and also my life and health. So my husband and I, we started our own insurance agency and that's what we've been doing since 1999. Where the interior design part came in, I've always loved to decorate spaces. And I discovered my gift and talent at, at interior design when I was a young girl. I remember I was at my grandmother's house and she had this small guest bathroom right off the dining room space. And I went to the garage and I found some blue paint. No, it wasn't blue. It was a black blue color paint. And I was like, oh, let me go ahead and paint this bathroom and surprise my grandparents when they got home. So I took the paint, I painted the ceiling, the walls, everything. And I thought it looked good. And so when my grandmother came home, she was like, what happened to the bathroom? I said, you don't like it? She goes, no, I don't like it. And matter of fact, it turned out to be exterior paint. <laughs> so that made it even worse. And so as an adolescent and going into my teenage years, I would always change my bedroom. I would always paint it a different color, rearrange the furniture. So I went from doing that to going to college, getting my degree in political science, but I still had this creative talent that just kept trying to come out. And so when I got married, I decorated our first home and a lot of friends and family like, oh, you did a good job. And then from there, I started venturing out of my home and doing friends and family homes as well. So I really started getting serious about the interior design, probably about five years after doing the homes of my friends and family. And then that's when it turned from a hobby into a career. And it's been going full force, just like with the insurance business. So I like to say I'm a woman that wear many hats because I, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> so yeah. I've been doing both jobs since 1999. And how did you get into insurance? Well, with insurance, I was working as a contract analyst for Prudential Healthcare. And I was analyzing million dollar contracts between pharmaceutical companies and Prudential Healthcare. They wanted to get their drug on Prudential's formulary because, you know, formulary drugs are typically most written by doctors. Well, back then, a lot of companies were merging together. A lot of healthcare companies were merging. So I was a contract analyst in a very small department. And so, of course, when you start merging, that means some jobs are going to go. And so my husband was like, well, you know, your job's going to be on the chopping block. You want to try to go into sales. You like to talk. You have the gift of gab. Then just go ahead and do it. And so I was like, okay, what I have to lose. And so I went ahead, I went to a job fair and I ended up working with Aflac. Are you familiar with Aflac the Duck? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's where I got, yes. That's why I initially got my career in insurance started there. I was with them for two years. And then at that point, that's when I was like, hey, let's just go ahead and open up our own agency. And so that's what we did. Why is it so important for businesses to get insurance coverage? Well, it's really important because you are faced with all type of risks all day long. 
when you're walking down the street, you are faced with the risk. When you're driving your car, you're faced with the risk. I mean, you have risks surrounding you, your personal business, your commercial business. And so with that being said, you always want something to be able to cover that risk. Because now if you are a trillionaire like Bill Gates, then you can fund out of your pocket any type of claims that happens. But most people, they cannot fork over $50,000 or $100,000, what have you, to pay for any type of claims that happens as a result of their business practices or something like that. So it's really important to have that insurance coverage because the insurance company takes on the risk, which means that you're paying a small monthly premium, but you're not having to be faced with paying out a large sum of money to pay for a claim that has been filed against you or your business. I think that is really important. It's really we're basically saving up towards the unexpected, basically. There are unfortunately instances that may happen in our businesses that we just have to protect ourselves from. Exactly. And you never know what type of risk you could be faced with. You never know. So it's always best to make sure that you have proper coverage to cover your businesses or business if you have one. Yeah. So I think these three are kind of the most common type of insurance that we will see in a home staging business. We have general liability, workers' comp, errors and omissions. I think that is probably more common for real estate agents. But can you explain briefly the difference between these three types of insurance? So for the general liability, it's referred to as general liability or commercial general liability. Anytime you see the word liability, you always have to keep in mind it's dealing with third party losses. So your general liability is going to cover any type of losses to a third party. It can be bodily injury or property damage that arises out of your business operations. And so, yes, it's very important for anyone in any type of business to carry a CGL policy. Now, also the other coverage you spoke is, is of workers' compensation. I always tell people, check your state to see if your state requires workers' comp. The state of Texas is not a requirement. That is an elective choice. But as a business owner, if you have employees, that would not be a wise choice to not carry a workers' compensation policy. And so if you are a business that have employees, I would implore you to take out a workers' compensation policy because it's going to cover your employees for any injuries on the job. Also, errors and omissions. I think that is more common. We see that for real estate agent. And I think for home stagers, not something we normally cover or take. So can you explain a little bit about what the ENO liability insurance is? Even though ENO covers real estate agents, it also covers insurance agents as well because I have an ENO policy. Now, I know you just said that you typically don't see that coverage dealing with home stagers, but that is an important coverage to have. And it's also just as important for interior designers because where it differs than the CGL policy, your errors and omission policy is going to cover for negligence. They may say you forgot to tell them about information about a home, or it could be you forgot and didn't put any information in a contract, or for whatever reason, a client may say, oh, I just feel as though they didn't stage my home properly, and that's the reason why my, my home didn't sell you know, as fast as it could or for the dollar amount that it could have. So it's going to cover any type of businesses that offer a service for a fee. So E&O is something that home stagers should 
purchase when they have a home staging business. Yeah, especially I think also because part of what we do is also give consultations to the homeowners. So there's kind of like this advice built in and stuff. So this is also why real estate agents have UNO because it involves in you know giving advices to your clients in terms of what you think is the best course of action for their property. And how does general liability differ from ENO? Well, with the general liability, like I said, general liability deals with claims for bodily injury or property damage to a third party. With the errors and omission, it's going to cover the service part of the business. So like you said, for real estate agents that have consultations, it'll cover that. Or like I said, for home stagers, if they are staging a home, and like I said, the homeowner felt that the way they staged it stopped it from selling or anything like that, it'll offer that. So on the errors and omission, it's called what is a non-physical type of policy because it doesn't cover anything that deals with bodily injury or property damage. So it's a non-physical type of insurance policy. And then also, what kind of coverage should we look at when we are staging people's houses? Like what kind of insurance coverage should we expect when we're looking at different quotes? So when you reach out to an insurance agent, you want to tell them every aspect of your business because that way they can tailor a plan that's going to cover your business properly. I know a lot of times people, they're looking for price, but at the end of the day, price is not going to mean anything if you're having to pay out millions or thousands of dollars for a claim. So typically you want to look at something for a policy that's going to say, for instance, if you have a brick and mortar or a warehouse, you want to make sure that your furnishings and accessories are going to be covered while it's in a warehouse. And also you want to make sure that it's going to be covered while it's being utilized in a homeowner's home for staging. You also, like I said, you want to make sure you have adequate coverage on your general liability. The typical limits of liability are like a $2 million aggregate with a million dollar for each occurrence. Then you have your fire legal liability, which is sometimes a $500,000. You have your products and completed operations, which is a million dollars. These are some of the minimum limits of liability that you want to make sure that you are covering your business for. Now, if you're working with million dollar clients or you're staging million dollar homes, I always suggest to my clients to take out an umbrella policy because that's going to afford you additional coverage in the event that a claim goes above and beyond your limits of liability. So that's the reason why I always tell people, be sure to be upfront and honest about every aspect of your business with your agent so that way he or she can properly put a package together that's going to adequately cover your insurance needs for your business. And I think one of the things when we were looking for the right insurance agent was that some insurance agents were not very familiar with the work of what home stagers do. So we actually had to explain in detail exactly what we do in our business. And then they go ahead and look for the right policy for that. What recommendations do you have when people are looking for insurance agent? Is it just to Google and call as many people as possible? Or does it have to do with companies? Because there's, you know, travelers, there's CNA, there's lots of different companies out there all have liability insurance. Well, for me, I've been a licensed insurance agent for over 20 years and years of experience is key. But another thing is knowledge. Not only do I sell and solicit insurance, I also teach insurance. 
So I teach individuals how to take and pass the property and casualty exam and the life insurance exam. So I'm very knowledgeable when it comes to proper coverage for commercial businesses. And so you do have individuals that are PNC licensed. That's most important, too, because you cannot purchase a commercial policy from someone who's only licensed with life and health. You have to have your PNC license as well. So that's key. So you want to make sure that they are properly licensed and properly knowledgeable, and they have experience in writing policies for businesses. Now, when it comes to home staging, your insurance agent should be familiar with your NAICS code, and that breaks it down as to what your duties include, because you do have some companies that you may want to get a business owner policy, which I always like to try to sell business owner policies because it comes with additional coverages that you typically do not find in a CGL policy. But with the agent being knowledgeable about the NAICS code for home stagers, they can better place your business or they know which insurance carrier to reach out to to forward your application for insurance to. So I would say experience, knowledge, and also just you have to make sure you have that work relationship with your agent as well. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think a home stager's job is actually fairly complicated. So what if we're operating our own home? Let's say we had a break-in at our own house and our inventory were stolen. And then it also kind of involved in your homeowner's insurance as well because you were operating out of your personal home. So in situations like that, what are some of the things that I need to know as a business owner if I'm operating my business out of my own home? You first want to check with your agent. You want to make sure that the policy that you're getting is going to have an endorsement for you operating a business out of your home. And so there there are endorsements that you can get that will provide coverage for businesses operating out of the house, because that's important to know that as well, especially if you're operating your business in a structure that's not inside your home, but it's on your property. And so I would always say discuss with your agent gets back again to being upfront about every aspect of your business so that way your agent can tailor a package that's going to work for you. Mm, that's a really good advice. And so there are also many different business models now for homestagers. There's homestager who only does consultations where they go into homeowner's house and then tell them verbally or, or do walk and talk with them, tell them exactly what they need to do to prepare for staging. In situations like those, when they're not carrying any inventory, they don't have movers, they don't have assistant, it's just them. Do you also recommend them to get both E&O and general liability? If they're just doing consultations, if they're not moving any furniture, hanging pictures, if they're not doing anything that could cause any bodily injury or property damage, I would only suggest an E&O policy. At that time, I wouldn't suggest a CGL, but if they ever decide to change their business model to where they're going in and they're actually bringing in furniture, they're moving furniture around, they're hanging art or anything like that, then at that point, they do need a CGL policy. And also at any point, if their business service changes, let's say now they've done the consultation and they start expanding into other areas of business, like maybe staging a vacant home or occupy home, then they will need to contact their insurance agent, correct, to amend the policy. Yes, exactly. You want to contact your agent so that way they can add on any endorsements because the worst time to find out when you're not covered is when. 
when you have a claim. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst time to find out what you're not covered for. So anytime you have any changes in your business model that could potentially increase your exposure to risk is always important, super important to reach out to your agent because that's what your agent is there for to make sure that you are properly covered with your business. Yeah. One of the most common questions we see as HomeSager is that, so let's say I'm a Sager with inventory. I move all this stuff into the client's home. It's vacant. And then they had a break-in. Somebody came in, broke in, vandalized, they stole or damaged our inventory. Usually in our contract, it is said that the homeowner is responsible for replacement, right? Obviously. But the thing is, can homeowners actually take out a temporary insurance policy to cover our inventory in case a stage home is broken into? So now when I looked at that question, for me, I'm always wanting to make sure I have correct information. So I reached out to my underwriter and there is no such policy, at least not in the state of Texas. Typically, if you are a homeowner with inventory, if you're carrying proper insurance, then your insurance should be covering your inventory while on your premises. However, check with your agent to see if there is an endorsement that you can have added onto your policy that will cover your inventory when it's off premises. So in the state of Texas, there is no such policy that a homeowner can take out that will cover the personal belongings to someone else. Because with insurance, you always have to have an insurable risk or you have to have an interest in whatever you're covering. And so a homeowner would not have an insurable interest or insurable risk in someone else's policy. So therefore they can't take out a policy to cover someone else's personal belongings. Yeah. It seems like some states do offer insurance like that, but I think it's just nice to have an insurance agent on the call and then to kind of go over the thing. Because I think that's the other thing too, is that every state, every governing body has a different set of rules in terms of how they approach this. So it's really important to talk to your local insurance agent who is a specialist in this so that they can give you the best advice on this. Exactly, because the insurance rules, they differ from state to state. That's why it's always best. I know in the state of Texas, we don't have a policy for that, but that's not to say that Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Nebraska, or Florida, they may have such a policy, but for the state of Texas, we currently do not. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. I think with homeowner's insurance, let's say you're a homeowner, you move out of your house. So does your homeowner's insurance still in effect if you're not living on the property? Now, that's a good question. A lot of people, a lot of homeowners are not familiar with. They have what's called vacant and unoccupied. Any home that's been vacant consecutively for over 60 days, then your homeowner's policy may not pay for vandalism. It may not pay for burglary. Okay. And what is deemed vacant, there is no one living there in the property and there's no personal belongings there. Now, that differs from an unoccupied there's someone still working or living there or some personal belongings are still in there. So you will still have coverage for break-ins or anything like that. So that's another thing to let your agent know as well. But real estate agents, they should know that as well, dealing with vacant and unoccupied properties, because there are some insurance restrictions that go with that. The key thing, at least for the state of Texas, is 60 days that a home has to be vacant in order for there be a decrease in coverage or no coverage applicable for that property. I see. What if the homeowner is on a very long vacation? <laughs> 
And see, again, I can only speak for the state of Texas. And the reason why they have that unoccupied in there is because you do have people, say, for instance, you have people that live up north. And when it's snow covered up north, they go down to Florida to their Floridian home. Well, there's no one there. So it is technically unoccupied. It's not vacant because they still have some personal property in there. So that's the reason why the insurance industry, they didn't just only have vacant. They also came up with unoccupied for certain situations such as that. And so if a home we staged was broken into and things were damaged or stolen, what should we do right away to file the claim with our insurance company? You would want to immediately, when the homeowner reaches out to you and say, hey, my home was broken into, a couple of your items were stolen or damaged, you want to make contact with your insurance agent or with the carrier. You need to file your claim. You can do it orally or you can do a written one. Nine times out of 10, a lot of people don't know that just letting your agent know about the claim is just like you telling the insurance carrier. Or you don't even have to contact your agent. You can go directly to your insurance carrier and file the claim. And then you will be assigned a claims adjuster. And then at that point, they'll go out and they will adjust the claim. And then they will follow up with all the necessary information that you need to provide to them. So it's really important to get that notification of claim in to the insurance company because there are time frames that you do need to abide by whenever you have a claim. And like I said, you want to always thoroughly read your policy because those time frames are listed in your insurance policy. Yeah. And so I think one of the things also is that you have to keep the evidence, right? When you file the claim, like what was in the home and what exactly was stolen or damaged. So then does that mean we need to submit photos of the home when it was staged And then also the after photo to show what was taken and also probably like a list of inventory and their value, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Any type of evidence or any type of photographs or receipts or anything is always going to be very helpful to the adjuster. So, yes, if you've taken pictures of the home while it was staged with your personal inventory, whatever was stolen, they could see or was damaged, then, yes, you return that in. It's also great to have an inventory list of the items and the dollar amount, just in case if you have to do an arbitration or a mediation, the insurance company may not want to pay you for what you felt that those items cost, you know, in order to have them replaced. So it's always great to have an inventory list of the items and also photographs and receipts will really help with that a lot. I think it might be difficult because sometimes we put in so many little inventory, you know, it's really hard to say. I mean, obviously a sofa, a chair, we can have receipts for those. But for minor things, you know, like a book, a plate, that could be very difficult. So is it possible to just submit kind of a rough dollar amount, what we think could be replacement value? Well, you can because most, depending on the policy again, most personal items are going to be claimed as actual cash value anyway. So they're going to replace it at today's cost with like kind and quality minus depreciation. And so they're going to claims adjuster, they have a little list or now they do what's called exactimate. And exactimate, it has everything based on the dollar amount. And it also factors in depreciation. So you can sort of kind of rough it and put the dollar amount, but the exactimate's really going to tell you, okay, well, this television 
is the 19 or 2020 or 1991 or whatever. So they're going to factor in that age and everything like that. So typically they'll be right on the money, what the replacement cost would be. And that's the reason why I said it's always good to have receipts just in case if you don't agree with what they want to settle the claim for, then you can go through arbitration or mediation to come up with an amount that's going to be suitable for you as well as for the insurance company. Yeah. So we talked so much about business insurance so far. I think the other thing that's really important to talk about is health insurance, because I think that's something we kind of forget as business owner. So if we are sole proprietor in our business, how is that different than having health insurance for our employees when we have employees? Well, speaking for someone who has been self-employed since 1999, I can tell you sole proprietor health insurance is horrible. (laughs) The premiums are expensive and everything, but at least there's policies out there that we can cover ourselves and our family. For sole proprietors, you can always go through private health insurance carriers to seek a policy from them. Like I said, it's going to be very expensive. Or you can do indemnity plans, indemnity health insurance plans. That's just going to cover any type of hospitalization. And so if pricing is going to be very crucial in you obtaining health insurance, if you're a fairly healthy person and you don't want to pay $900 and you hardly ever go to the doctor or anything like that, then you can always get an indemnity plan. Like I said, that'll cover you for any type of hospitalization. But if you are a person that you want to go to see your primary care physician or you have a tendency to get sick, you may want to go ahead and look into a private insurance policy. Another option is going through the marketplace. And that's where you can get a tax credit and get some assistance with the premium payment. But there are certain ramifications that you'll have to and prerequisites in order to qualify for that. Now, in my agency, I handle all the property and casualty. My husband handles all the life and health. We can actually walk people through the marketplace to see if they qualify for a credit. And if they do, then they can obtain their insurance there. If they don't qualify for the credit, then we can get them placed through private carriers that we have contracts with for those people that are sole proprietors. And then how about for people who have employees? How does that differ? Because I think with a group, it's a bit cheaper, usually. Yes, it's a lot more affordable. It's a lot cheaper because you're spreading the risk and the premiums are lower. And a lot of times, if the business owner, if they're looking for a tax write-off, they can very well pay 50% of the premium or they can pay 100% of the premium as well. So yeah, a lot of people who have employees, they will get a group insurance plan. And sometimes too, those group health insurance plans can be put on a what's called a cafeteria plan where you can also get some tax breaks as well. So if you are a sole proprietor, you know, you don't get those benefits of group, but then you also get the other benefits of being your own boss. So you have to weigh the difference sometimes. Yeah. And then there's also other options like with a health savings account, like HSA as well, that has a little bit of tax benefit as well. Is that right? Exactly. You'll find that in group plans as well. The HSAs, the MSAs, and everything like that, medical savings plan, health savings plan, FSAs. All those you will be able to participate in when you're in a group health insurance plan. Those options are not available in sole proprietor plans or individual plans, what we call them. 
And then I also have a question because there's so many insurance brokers out there. So when you're calling different insurance broker, are they essentially all going to get the same quotes from the same different companies? You know, because they're the big brands like CNA or Hartford or Prudential or whoever. So is it going to be roughly all the same? Like how does the pricing of that premium being determined by companies? Well, it's all going to go through underwriting. It's, it's the underwriter that determines the cost based on the risk. And typically, most insurance companies, it's probably going to be the same. And it also is going to depend on the application that the agent submits. So if you go to one insurance agent and you just tell them, oh, I just need a $2 million aggregate, then they're going to submit your application based on you needed a $2 million aggregate. Or if you go to another insurance carrier and then you say, oh, I just want a million dollar aggregate, then that's where the pricing is going to differ. It's not going to differ in that someone can give you a discount. There's no such thing as a discount in insurance because everything goes through an underwriter. It's funny when people call me and they're like, especially close friends and family members, they'll say, hey, can I get a family discount? And I'll tell them the only family discount I can give you, I won't charge you an agency fee. But other than that, I have no control over what your premium is going to be because a premium is going to be based on the application that you submit. And they look at all the factors. They look at your risk. They look at your age, the years of you being in business, how many employees you have. All those things play a major factor in what your premium will be. So if you see a lot of fluctuations in the premium, it's because maybe the agent didn't put the same limits of liability or maybe one policy he added on this endorsement. I mean, it's just a lot of different factors that can play into that. But it shouldn't be such a big difference when you're getting quotes from agents. And I think the other question we didn't talk about in the pre-interview meeting was that about car insurance. Because I think one of the things that is really common, especially when people first starting out, is that we're using our own vehicle for business purposes. We're driving to a client's house, or maybe we go inventory shopping, it got broken into, or we are moving things in and out with our own personal vehicle. And so in that case, how does that change our car insurance? Do we need to get a business one? Yes. If you're using your car for your business, especially if you have a car magnet on your car that says... Tamala Bowie Interiors or Tamala Bowie Insurance, or if your car is wrapped with Tamala Bowie Interiors or anything like that, you need to get a commercial auto policy. Because if you get car insurance and you don't tell them that you're using your car strictly for your business and you have a claim and the claims adjuster comes out or say for instance, you were involved in a car accident and you were in your car and it had your magnet on there, your car was wrapped with your business name and you didn't have a commercial auto policy, you neglected to tell your agent that you were using your personal vehicle for your business, then that's going to be a situation where the claims adjuster is going to have to make that call because in essence, you should have a commercial auto policy if you're using your car for your business. Now, you just going back and forth, the consultations, that's really not a huge thing. But if you are strictly using your car to transport other people's personal belongings in your vehicle, say, for instance, you're going to market, you're picking up some pillows or lamps for a client or anything like that for your business, you should get a commercial auto policy. 
Yeah, it's really. I think the lines are so blurred sometimes. So sometimes we might be, oh, I'm going out inventory shopping, but I'm also buying grocery at the same time. So especially when you're working for yourself, those lines can be really blurred between our homes and also using it as an office or our car, using it for both personal and business. So yeah, I think it can be very tricky. It sounds like the best way of dealing with this is really communicate with your insurance agent to really explain your situation. Exactly. And I would say if you're using your vehicle for your business more than 50% of the time, you would benefit from commercial auto policy. So then would you not just have a personal car insurance policy anymore? You just would have the commercial one on your car? So there are some policies out there that will allow you to have a commercial auto policy with a certain percentage for personal. So you would have to find those particular insurance carriers that offer that type of policy. It's not the other way around where you can have your personal to cover your commercial There's no policy for that, at least not in the state of Texas. But there are some commercial auto policies that will allow a certain percentage for you to use it as your personal auto. And the other thing you mentioned about discounts. So are there actually ways for people to negotiate their rates when it comes to insurance policies? Now, the only way you can negotiate rates on the insurance policy is with car insurance. And it's really not negotiating because you remember it's all about the underwriter making the final decision. But when it comes to car insurance, you can get a discount for no tickets, no accidents. You can get a discount for certain professions. We're contracted with one insurance carrier. They'll give you a discount if you are a college grad or has some college, if you are homeowners. Now you get discounts for signing your documents electronically. You'll get a discount for that or going paperless, you'll get a discount for that. Or you may get a discount. I know there's one insurance carrier, you get a discount if you do their snap. It's called snapshot, you know? So yeah, and that's what they will monitor your driving for about four to five months during that whole policy period. And if you don't have any cars to dent or tickets, then in the next policy renewal period, you may see a reduction in your premium and everything like that. But there's other prerequisites that go with that. But I would say negotiating is probably not the word for that. I would just say just seeing what discounts are applicable to the policy. And it's all basically rated on your driving performance. Everything is credit score driven right now, at least in the state of Texas. So what your credit score is, what your MBR says, how long you've been a driver, the type of vehicle plays into the premium cost. So there are ways to get your premium lowered. And so that's where you'll come in with discounts per se. Yeah. And there's many different factors as well. I remember when we were getting a workers comp for California, one of the questions they asked is, do you have a forklift? Because when you have a forklift, your premium will go up because it increases the risk of someone getting hurt while operating a forklift. So those are kind of things that you're not really negotiable, but you can definitely ask to see what are some of the things that we can do to lower our premium, I think. Exactly. And that's true because like I said, insurance is all about risk. Insurance companies are not in the market just to pay claims. They want to try to keep as much money there. (laughs) They're not in the market to pay out. Matter of fact, they really don't want you to have any accidents because they don't want to have to pay out. Just like with life insurance, they're really hoping that you live forever, you know, and stuff like that. They don't want to pay out. But like I tell a lot of my clients that are looking for workers' compensation policies, I tell them the type of employee to look for. 
especially with the trucker's insurance that I ride, to make sure they have a clean driving record. That's number one. Age, unfortunately, plays a huge part when you're riding commercial auto or trucker's insurance for workers' compensation. The riskier the occupations are in your business, the more your premium's going to be and everything like that. So those are things that you have to take into consideration when you're starting a business or when you're looking to get workers' compensation as well. Exactly. So we're coming up to the end of our questions. So what is your number one tip you'll give to homesagers when it comes to looking for the right coverage for their homesaging business? For your homesaging business, I would say the two most important policies you need is commercial general liability and your Arizona mission. As far as looking for the perfect policies, in order to find the perfect policies, you need to find the perfect agent. And like I said, that gets back to finding someone who is experienced, a vast knowledge about property and casualty products, and also being upfront and honest about your business model with your agent, because your agent is working for you. They have a fiduciary capacity to you, but they also have a fiduciary capacity to the insurance carrier. So they have to have both parties' best interest at heart. But your agent is always going to work on your behalf first. So the best home stager policy, like I said, is finding the right agent first, being upfront about your business model, and then your agent being experienced and knowledgeable at putting a great package to cover your business. And also, if you have any changes in your business model, immediately let your agent know so that way you're not leaving any part of your business open to any type of risk exposures. That's great. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for those of you who are watching live. And thank you for those who are watching the replay as well as listening to this podcast later on when we finish the post-production. So yeah, have a great day, guys. Thank you so much. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging. Happy staging.